Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Vicocelli. Hi, and thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm your host, Elizabeth Vicocelli. Glad you're joining us today. And I'm always grateful to have on the show priests who have experience as a vocations director, because I think their perspective, their enthusiasm for fostering vocations is really important, especially when they've had their own unique challenges in their path to priesthood. And my guest today can speak to both of these experiences. He's Father Ted Sill, the pastor of St. Matthew the Apostle Catholic Church in Gehanna. Uh, Thanks for being with us today on Answering the Call, Father Sill. You're welcome, Elizabeth. It's glad to have you. And, you know, you're a Circleville uh, native father, is that correct? That's correct. I was about five years old when our family moved down to Circleville. But that's where you grew up, and that's what I you consider home? St. Joseph's Parish there, and attended the parish grade school, and then went on to Catholic High School in Chillicothe at Bishop Leger High School. Okay, so it sounds like you were born raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. Both your parents were Both mom cradle and dad Catholics. Catholics. And, uh, siblings growing up? I have uh, three brothers, uh, one of whom is is deceased, and two sisters. And so you were where I was in the middle. Um, I shared the middle actually with my twin brother. So I have an older uh, sister and an older brother, and then a younger sister and a younger brother. Okay, I'm not sure if we've ever had a priest on the show that's a twin. I think that's a first for us. Mm-hmm. Is that a novelty from your experience? Um, yeah, I'd say somewhat. Although. In seminary, I'm trying to remember, I think there were about, there were five or six of us that were um, twins. And one of the the twins that was in my class, his brother was also um, in seminary studying at the same time that um, he was in a monastery out in Oregon. So there were actually one set of twins where they were both uh, looking to be priests. Interesting. Okay. And so you have, you're a twin, you're growing up in this Catholic family. You said um, you attended St. Joseph's was the parochial school mm-hmm. at, at the time through eighth grade. Um, and then you went on to uh, Bishop Flaget, is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Um, high school. So did your family, as you were growing up in this Catholic family, did they have any special devotions, any way of living out their Catholic faith beyond going to Sunday Mass? The thing that I, I recall, of course, we celebrate all the liturgical um, seasons, um, and so you know, obviously, Christmas and Easter was a big uh, thing at at home, and you know, decorating for that. And then I remember, uh, particularly during Lent, we would um, try to pray to the Rosary together as a family at least one day one day a week. Usually, it was on Sunday uh, that we would do that. Um, but we would try and re- recall whatever the feast day was, and you know, um, and celebrate that in some way if it, you know particularly if it was uh, you know more famous saint what about the um the priests that that you knew as you were growing up or maybe sisters that you might have had uh in your school did did any of them have an influence on you growing up well we we had uh, i believe there were sisters of saint joseph from baden pennsylvania in the grade school and i know in my um first year our first grade class i you know, fell in love with my my sister. She was a young uh, <laughs> sister and um, really sweet and nice to us kids. Probably every every kid in our class probably fell in love with her. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I can recall a few of them uh, in grade school even who uh, pushed us. 
um, my fourth grade uh, teacher, uh, sister, I can't remember her name right now. I can remember her nickname, but I won't say her name. <laughs> um, we weren't very kind. Uh, but she was a uh, one who really uh, uh, pushed us. Um, and then in high school, too, I remember a couple of the sisters that uh, really pushed us to do our best. And, and um, you know, we, I, I think at, at that time in the culture, a Catholic culture, kids really tried hard to please their their teachers, the sisters, and, and the priests that they had in school. So, and then I think that was our cases. Okay, well, so my case. So the sisters of Saint Joseph, and then the priests also. Can you remember any uh, priests that stood out to you as you were growing up, or any that your family may have befriended? Or um, I, I remember in grade school, um, there was a, a Father Metzger, um, uh, Bill Metzger, actually just died recently. Um, when he showed up on his motorcycle uh, <laughs> in the parish, we were all, you know, there in the grade school yard playing and where everybody just stopped and stared, you know, like this is really <laughs> wow. something that we've never seen before. And um, and his brothers were on uh, motorcycles as well. Um, so that always made a, a big impression um, on me. Um, probably, I think the most influential uh, priest was uh, probably Father Snoke who was the principal at Bishop Lachey High School. Um, and he would come over. Uh, we, there were various associates, or I guess they called them assistants back then, who mom and dad would invite over the house for dinner, and you know they'd hang around, and oftentimes maybe we'd be playing uh, games. Particularly, I remember playing these marathon Monopoly games with um, Father Snoke. <laughs> and uh, I was still in grade school, I think, and my sister and brother were already in high school when he started coming. And so, um, and that then continued too when I was in high school. Um, he would, my parents would um, have him over and we would kind of hang out. And so that had a uh, big impact, I think, on, on me. And seeing that priests were just, they can be normal and, and human. Mm-hmm. And, fun, and fun. Play Monopoly. Yeah. So would you say that, that they were then a, a, a big reason that you started? To think about this for yourself, and when was it that you began thinking about it for yourself? Well, I started thinking about the priesthood right around the second grade as I was preparing for um, First Communion. I have an um, uncle, he's now deceased, um, whom I'm named after actually, who was um, a major influence for getting me thinking about the priesthood just because he was my favorite uncle. He was a fun uncle whenever he would come. He was a Carmelite priest, and actually I am uh, I was born on the day that he was ordained a priest, and I'm named after him for that reason. His name was Theodore, and my name was is Theodore. And my parents told me that they named me Theodore because I was born on the day that he was ordained and because I was the second of the twins to arrive, and they figured that I was a little extra gift <laughs> from God, and that's what Theodore means, gift of God. That's right. And so... That's how I got that name, and I think that's, you know, the main reason why I started thinking about the priesthood, because my relationship with my uncle was a priest. Did Did anyone know you had been thinking about the priesthood? In grade school, obviously, because I would I told my uncle and told my parents, and then the priests in the parish uh, knew it as well, and some of the sisters, so um, they would, um, you know, bring it up from time to time, but... I, I forgot to mention one priest who had a major impact in my life, but this was when I was in college, was my pastor there at St. Joseph's. I used to work in the uh, for the parish doing maintenance and cleaning and that. 
and Mon- Monsignor Mayor was then Father Mayor, um, came as our pastor in, I think, in 1975. And, um, of course, he was my boss. Uh, he kept me on. Uh, but because of that, we had a pretty good uh, relationship uh, doing things, working around. And um, so we developed a friendship. But he was after me a lot for thinking about the priesthood. But that was at a time when I wasn't so much thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, not so willing to think about it or consider it seriously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but going back to the childhood, when you were talking about it, you know, just for us parents or maybe us teachers or whatever, what's the best thing we can do if a child starts to talk about something like that? What's the, you know, without getting too pushy or you're wanting to encourage it, what, what's the best thing we can do? Yeah, I think in my experience, my parents were pretty... Um, I could tell that they were supportive of the idea, but they never pressured me about it. And in fact, I think as I look back on it, maybe they were a little bit stand back or standoffish from it because I think they felt like they didn't want me to have any sense of being pressured um, about this. And so, um, you know, whenever I bring it up, they were willing to to talk about it, but they never would bring the subject up themselves, as I, I can recall, or not very often. And so, I, you know, I would encourage parents to not be afraid to, to bring the discussion or bring it to a discussion with the kids from time to time just to see where they are or what kind of um, support they might be able to give, you know, their child, um, taking them to some um, uh, programs that a vocation office might offer to help kids kind of, you know, go to the seminary, see what it looks like, or hang out with some seminarians or whatever programs might be available to help them learn more about um, what it's like could be like being a priest or being a seminarian studying and trying to discern for the priesthood. Okay. Now, if you're like uh, most of the priests that I've had on the show, I bet that interest in priesthood began to get some competition from other interests in your life as you got older. That's what I uh, have told uh, time and time again when people ask me. You know, I, I was interested in the priesthood all through grade school up until about the time that the hormones kicked in, maybe around <laughs> eighth grade. And then girls weren't so creepy anymore and <laughs> were much more interesting uh, to me at that point in my life. So that's when I started to you know, doubt whether I had a calling to the priesthood and, and you know, started thinking more about marriage and having a family and so forth. So um, I kind of took a, a, a leave of absence from the idea, I guess you'd say, uh, for a number of years, particularly in high school, although I still had priests who were mentioning to me, you know, you you would be a good priest, you know, you, you, you need, need to be thinking about this still. And I say, no, no, and I'd have all my excuses why I shouldn't. <laughs> Not just the girl thing, but um, other things as well. So and then same in college. And then, as I mentioned, Monsignor Mayer was um, one who did bring it up regularly and had me talking about it. Um, but in college, you know, I, again, wasn't really, I had all of my reasons why I shouldn't and uh, didn't want to, you know, really think that seriously about it. So what were you pursuing in college? What what had you decided to do then? Um, well, in high school, I really hadn't given much thought about what I was going to do with my life once I got the idea that I wasn't going to be a priest, but I didn't really take the next step and say, well, what am I going to be good at? What, what should I be doing? <laughs> and by the time I got to be a senior, I thought, oh, the end of the year, I got to figure something out here. So at the last minute, I decided, well, let's do forestry. I like to go outdoors and, you know, this will get me outdoors and doing things I like to do. So I, 
I call those my, I tell people it's my goof off years for two years I went, and, and it's nothing against Hawking, Hawking Technical College, but I just was not, I was underachieving. You're biding I, your time. Yeah, like. I just, yeah. you know, what am I going to do? And this looks like fun, let's go do this. Um, but after my first year at Hawking Technical College, I knew that um, I wasn't going to be a forester because it was just really hard work physically and low pay, and I just couldn't see myself doing that. So then I thought, well, what's the next step? Well, yeah, I still like outdoors, and you know, I've always liked plants and landscaping and that. Well, let's go see what the program's like at Ohio State University. So I transferred there, and I did eventually get my degree in landscape horticulture, and I minored in design. And after I graduated, I well, actually through college, I worked at some landscape uh, firms and then uh, got a job right out of college doing landscape design and supervising the installation and doing uh, the um, bidding of the jobs. And just from start to finish, I did that for four or five years. Okay. So you're out in the real world, mm-hmm. making good money, dating, mm-hmm. living life. and But obviously something was going to draw you back to your initial interest in the priesthood. So what was it? <clears throat> well, you know, I think that uh, God obviously lets us uh, choose the, you know, what, we want to do with our lives on our own, although he does have a preference for us, and I think he tries to make that, he does make that known to us. Um, but, you know, I was dating and eventually uh, started dating a, a woman that um, I really liked and thought, well, this is it. I'm going to marry this one. And we were talking about it a little bit. And so after a year or so of dating, I said, well, I'll go get the engagement ring and, and pop the question. I went out and got the ring, but then after I bought the ring, really quickly after, um, I just started having cold feet thinking, uh-oh, I mean, this is for real. You sure you want to do this? <laughs> um, and and the idea of priesthood started coming back in my head, and I thought, this is crazy. Why am I starting to think about this at a time like this? I'm just getting cold feet, and now you're turning to that, looking for you know a reason maybe to uh, not get married at this time to this woman and so we we broke it off for a little bit um i never gave her the ring at that point and was it hard to to or for her it or was not? particularly hard for her and in fact when i told her the reason why we needed to stop dating for a while you know, i was had this nagging idea about priesthood was coming back to bother me she said i knew it I knew that's <laughs> so. Everybody seemed to to think and see the possibility of priesthood in me, but uh, myself, but you. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I took about a year of uh, just struggling with that idea, talking about it, and praying about it. In the meantime, I met actually met another um, young woman who we got to be really good friends. And at one point in our friendship, after um, maybe six months or so, she said, I need to know what your intentions are. And I hadn't mentioned anything about <laughs> priesthood at that point. We had just gotten to be friends. And I said, well, to tell you the truth, um, I was just thinking, you know, a friendship here. And by the way, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out whether I need to go to the seminary. And so she was another one who said, well, yeah, you would be good at that. I mean, she didn't get as angry as uh, the other one. Um, but certainly she wanted to know what was going on. Were we going to do anything more than just be friends where's right. this going and so i think that was god's way of kind of pushing me again mm-hmm. okay yeah, you need yep. you need to go do something about this and so eventually after a few more months of sitting on the fence 
um, I got so tired and worn down by it, this constant argument with God every day, the reason why I shouldn't be a priest, and that didn't seem to uh, keep God from still kind of pestering me about is what I, how I kind of felt. And so I finally said to my pastor, Father Mayer, um, I think I need to go to seminary and see about this question and um, see if I can get this answered once and for all. We're talking with Father Ted Sill. He's the pastor at St. Matthew the Apostle Catholic Church in Gehenna, and he's our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AMA 20. So um, then what was your next step to to pursue this, or to at least test this call mm-hmm. once and for all? Well, um, Father Mayer uh, said, well, we need to go talk to the vocation director, and so he got me his name and number, and I made an appointment. Uh, with Father Steve Hawkins was the vocation director at the time. And th- this was about the beginning of August when I finally decided I need to go to seminary. And so I'd already told my employer I was going to do this. I was going to, uh, you know, go to seminary and I would need to quit my job. And so, but then I had a little roadblock when I went to see uh, Father Hawkins. Seminary starts like really early in September back then it did. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe it was the last few days of August. And so he felt that it just didn't have enough time to get me, um, you know, registered, go through all the screening process interview and all the letters of recommendation and so forth. So he said, we'll just have to kind of work with you over the next year and get you ready to go a year from now. And I thought, gee whiz, I spent, I've spent the last year and a half or so of fighting with myself about this. I'm ready to go now, you know, and so I didn't like that answer. And so I decided to go up to the Josephine on my own and see what I could do. And so I talked to um, Father Bill Lynn, who was the academic dean at the time, or uh, Father Durant's maybe it was, but both of them were involved. I was talking with them. And I, and when I was in college at the Ohio State University, I, a number of my electic electives were in philosophy and religious studies because I had had an interest in that. It really appealed to me. And so it turned out at the time back then that a number of those would transfer, but I would still need to take more philosophy and religious studies to meet the undergraduate requirements to go into graduate school So of theology. So we worked out a plan. I decided then that I would, in January, attend the college, get these requirements out of the way, and then um, be ready to start theology in the fall of that next year. And it all worked out that way. So you got through all those little minor um, obstacles, uh, got into seminary, got ordained. You got ordained in 1989. And in fact, um, you are just celebrated, just celebrated your 25th anniversary. Can't believe it. 25 years gone just like that. I know. It's just, it goes fast. And you know, in that time, um, you, you've served as uh, at several places, several parishes, uh, starting out as an associate of St. Cecilia's in Columbus and St. Joan of Arc in Powell. And then Bishop Griffin approached you about being a vocations director, even though you're pretty new to the priesthood at that, that time, you're about three years in. Um, but you took on this role and became a vocations director actually for seven years, mm-hmm. which is a pretty long time. Yeah, Talk I'm, a little bit about that experience. Um, I... Um, ha- had the uh, opportunity to get to know Bishop Griffin even before I went to seminary um, through Monsignor Mayer. They had uh, developed a friendship, 
And again, because of my being around the, the parish there at St. Joseph's, I had that opportunity then to meet Bishop Griffin and be around him. And then also to spend some time uh, hunting with him, uh, deer hunting particularly, um, but also hunting some other creatures. And so I guess uh, <laughs> Bishop Griffin had an opportunity to kind of size me up during those times. And then, of course, also during throughout seminary and my first few years of priesthood, um, because we were doing some things together, fun things together, I guess, in addition to him being able to observe, observe me and, you know, my uh, priesthood, that he must have seen something in me. And, of course, my experience that um, he thought would be good for uh, the position of being director of vocations. And um, I think my experience has helped me in that regard. And, um, and I think I brought a different perspective um, to that uh, job, particularly with regard to developing programs for younger kids to have an opportunity to, um, in grade school and um, middle school as well as high school, to um, do some activities with seminarians and priests like learning how to fly fish or, um, you know, going up the, the seminary and uh, playing uh, video games or, or whatever just so they can hang out with some seminarians and priests and, and um, just see the priest can do more than just, you know, say Mass and um, spend their whole day in church praying or whatever. Right, you know. to see, see the real person behind that vocation. What, what, in your experience as a vocation director, is the most important thing a parish can do to inspire vocations to the priesthood? Well, for one, I think we need uh, parents who um, have enough uh, faith and trust in God that if their children are considering this, God might be calling them to this, that they're not... Um, you know, scared off by the the fact that their ch- their child might be considering this, or their son uh, might be thinking about the priesthood. Um, parishes, I think, need to be praying for uh, the priesthood. Uh, and then I think the biggest influence still, and always has been, are those priests who are um, willing to spend time with um, kids and young men who might be good possibilities for this, and, and encourage them and and talk to them about it and even just spend some time hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, as you said in your story about the, the priest on the motorcycle and, you know, just to see this other side and this, this real, the real person, I mm-hmm. think that's, that's so important. Um, after your seven years as a vocation director, you returned to parish life. You were at uh, St. Patrick's down in London for 11 years, probably a familiar um, setting to a uh, Circleville where you grew up. Mm-hmm. But then after 11 years, um, you transferred to uh, St. Matthew's in Gehanna. A little bit different. A lot different. <laughs> uh, I had 500 families in London, um, most of whom I knew all of them. And uh, the kids, we had a grade school there, so there were you know, an average of about 170 students over the years. So I got to know a lot of the kids. I went out to the school a lot, would taught, go in a classroom and teach, and um, – so I had opportunities to hang out with those kids there too and get to know them. So, um, and I knew a lot of people around town, non-Catholics as well, and people in law enforcement and, and politics and all that. And so it was just a nice small town community and had a lot of uh, fun there. When I came to St. Matthew's, it's just going from 500 families to 2,500 families. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit overwhelming. I think I walked around in a daze for the first uh, year or so. Wondering how the heck did I get here? What am I supposed <laughs> to be doing? 
In your uh, 25 years of priesthood, is there a particular high point that stands out to you? Uh, well, certainly making uh, it to 25 years, um, I think, is a, is a high point, and I hope I have um, quite a few more years yet in the priesthood. Um, I think having had the opportunity to, in the, as uh, certainly as a vocation director and having an influence in uh, young men's lives, there are still some of the guys that uh, did not go on in seminary or were not ordained who since gotten married and have had kids, and some of them still um, call me up occasionally just to let me know what's going on, to keep in touch. And so I think, um, you know, that's uh, uh, been a, a good thing for me. I enjoyed that. Um, and I think just being involved in families along the way, there, you know, you get uh, involved in families' lives, and over 25 years, I think I've still keep in touch with a number of families and different assignments I've been, and mm. so that's been very rewarding too. So um, among your flock, if you have a young boy, a teenager who's thinking about the priesthood, what do you say to him? Well, I would say, I say to them, um, one, you need to be praying about this regularly. Um, two, you need to be talking with, um, you know, other other priests and getting as much information as you can about, you know, and some of the questions you might have about it answered. Um, and um, also be talking with uh a priest, you know, uh, about your discernment, you know, how, how are you going to figure this out? And you just don't try and do it on your own. That's something that I tried to do for pretty much for a year, just trying to think it all through in my head all by myself uh, without talking it over much. Um, and it, that does that's not very helpful at all. Take it to others. Wonderful sage advice from uh, Father Ted Sill from St. Matthew's in Gehanna. Can you leave us with your blessing, Father? Sure. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to, for me to share some of my life, and hopefully there will be those who have the opportunity to hear this, and it may help them. So we ask you to bless those who may be discerning a vocation to the priesthood or to the religious life. Help them have the people in their lives that they need so that they can make a good decision. We ask that you also bless all of our listeners so that they may always and everywhere know your good blessings throughout their days. We make this prayer then through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Sill. God bless. Have You're a welcome. wonderful week. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni Sancti.